0: You know, it's funny. I actually went to school on a, on a volleyball scholarship. And, you did, and yeah. I, what, I did, yeah. Um, when I was in Baruch, we were the number one volleyball. Did you graduate team, from Baruch? Uh, did you graduate from there? Yeah, so did I. I did. I did. So did I. Oh, very cool. So, great school, great institution. Very yes. liberal, but very good. Very good professors who don't show their bias, which is which is very uh, interesting. But that's a whole other conversation. But it's funny that we went to we went to, to play against Harvard, Yale, and we. Slay them. <laughs> Slay them. We were champions across the entire Northeast corridor. Every school that came up against us, they were shaking at the time. And it's funny, I was the smallest guy and I'm six we had on our block, on our on our uh, on our block alone, there were six, seven, six, eight. These guys weren't jumping; they were just stretching their arms up. In the air. <laughs> yeah. We were we were and anim- All of us could have been playing basketball, but we chose volleyball because it was easier. <laughs> so it was a it was a great time. Uh, I look, I sacrificed both my knees and got very nice knee replacement uh, knee replacements oh, from wow. HSS playing volleyball that's how serious i took the game <laughs> Damn, well, that's a, but i put myself through college and got an mba from nyu and i have zero debt and my parents uh they helped where they could because they were rebuilding back uh after filing for bankruptcy but i, I know the drill it's it's hard work you got to do it and uh like i said i said it earlier and i'll say it again nothing comes for free nothing in the life is free and the harder you work for something the more you want it and the more you want it the more rewarding it is. So yeah, but I hate the care of it too. I hate looking at youth today and seeing them sitting on their behinds and acting like you know, oh, this is so hard.
1: Okay, um, I wanted to start with that because these clips have been my obsession for the past, <laughs> like I don't know, three weeks. Do you know who that is? I don't. It's George Santos there you go. George Santos, who I cannot get enough of this story. So yeah, me too. literally, literally, this is all I want to talk about today is this dude. I know a million things have happened uh, since we last spoke, uh, you know, politically, all sorts of stuff have happened, but I, I just need to feed this addiction and obsession right now and, and get this out of my system because <laughs> I need to talk about George Santos. All right, let's do it.
2: All right. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino.
1: And I'm Amit Prakash. This week, we're talking about one man. Um, We don't really know his name because he goes by Anthony DeVolder. He goes by George Santos. He goes by george anthony devolder he goes by george anthony devolder santos which is the official name on the criminal complaint on him um, in brazil Um, he's also a new congressman from the third district of new york and i'm obsessed with him so we're going to talk about him today great
2: started
1: okay I, I I've got so you many just leave to me yeah. <laughs> listen so as soon as this came out you know as soon as that New York Times article broke so for those of you who who don't know and I don't know how you can't know this but you probably know but just a recap this guy uh, George Santos um, now American citizen born in Brazil um, he is young I think he's like 34 in 2020 he ran for Congress Uh, lost, creamed, and then he won this year. And his entire resume, like every single line of his resume has been found to be a fabrication. So those clips, and there's just like, there's so many juicy clips on the internet now of like all his like uh, speeches and, and interviews on podcasts and stuff like that that are catching up with him. He said he went to Horace Mann High School, very elite, you know, kind of premier high school in the New York City region in the Bronx. No record of him going there. He got a GED. Uh, He said he went to Baruch College, uh, Baruch, reached out and said there's no record of him ever graduating from the institution. He said he went to NYU in, in that first clip, and he paid his way through because he's sick of the, you know these young kids complaining about student loans and stuff like that. He got an MBA, never went to NYU at all. Um, he also said he worked at Goldman Sachs, that he worked at a Citigroup, and uh, managed a fund for another company that was at $1.5 billion, bringing in 12% to 26% returns every year. Um, He never Goldman Sachs said he's there's no record of him ever working there. And the group the the investment fund that he said he was working with Citigroup Citigroup said they don't even have a fund like that. Um, So no record of him there either. The one place that he did say he worked where he was managing this 1.5 billion. Uh, got taken down as a Ponzi scheme, um, and all the people who were running it were arrested. Uh, he's also wanted in Brazil for writing false checks of an for, that he stole from an 84 year old woman uh, to buy a bunch of like toys for himself. And the only reason he's not in jail there is because he fled to the United States. And for some reason, he thought by running for Congress, the Brazilian authorities wouldn't notice. And now they've opened up their criminal case against him again, uh, and want to extradite him. Oh, my God, I mean, it's, it is absolutely amazing. And his response, uh, he went on um, Steve Bannon's show, and Matt Gates was, you know, pinch hitting for Steve Bannon. And he, you know, he makes this quip about, well, you know, everybody embellishes their resume. And if we kicked people off committees in, in Washington, DC, who embellished the resume, we wouldn't have any committees, you know. Um, and so that's that's how he's um, they're kind of pitching it is that, you know, this guy, you know, he's not a liar. He just kind of, you know, inflated some things. But literally every single thing, even down to his name, like what he goes by, um, has been invented. I'm just like how is this possible and, and he his sworn he's a sworn representative of the US House. He's like one of the most yeah. powerful people in the country now. Um what do you make of this? I'm I'm just absolutely like it's a train wreck, right? It's it's like a yeah. car accident I can't look away from. Um, and I feel like it's a sign of our political times that a guy like that can get elected with all the microscopes that we have now of like, you know, digging up dirt on everyone, you know? Um, and somehow he slides through, and even when he gets found out, the Republicans are like, but, you know, we're not gonna kick him out, we, we need our majority. Well, they can't kick him out. They they could censure him, right? They could they could freeze him out by not, you know, like what they did with Marjorie Taylor Greene for a while. Now Now she's like running the show, but mm-hmm. before, um, they said we're not going to put you on committees because you you're right. talking about Jewish space lasers and whatnot. <laughs> um, you know, so like, you know, you can do stuff like that. You can you can defang his power.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's it's a real life catch me if you can. I mean, I guess that was real life right. as well, but this is yeah. You know, that's the movie I was thinking of too. Actually, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the political version of catch right. me if you can. Um, right. It's weird because like he looks like a creep, you know? Like, oh I don't... God. He's not very charismatic. I've watched a couple of interviews with him, so I guess the real-life Catch Me If You Can guy wasn't either. I've watched some YouTube on him. He's kind of like... He does not look like Leonardo DiCaprio by any means.
1: I was about to say, um, you mean Leo? I think yeah. Leo's very
2: charming. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I guess the only real explanation is that specifically the... Republican Party, but politics as a whole, is so outrageous right now that it's all believable, right? Like, the I mean, within the party, they're, they're eating each other. And the people that are the craziest are kind of at the forefront of it all. I mean, even starting with like a Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, I mean, these are like people that aren't really living in reality. So when someone comes on that can one-up them, which is like the whole entire midterm elections was like, are the one-uppers winning or are the regular crazies winning? And even though mm-hmm. the narrative by left-wing media is like Donald Trump's power over the party, which I don't believe, I don't know where you stand on that. I think he has great power over the party. Um, it's, it's like we're focusing on the wrong thing. You know, like everyone thinks, oh, my God, the Republican. I can't tell you how many things I read that are like Democrats are loving this. Republican Party is cannibalizing. And I'm just like, they'll be fine. They're going to be fine because the crazies are going to win. And if if this is not case in point that this guy who if you like look at all of his policy and what he's voting on, I mean, the guy is a whack job Mm -hmm. and half of the people that are winning are crazies like. No, they're not eating themselves. They're turning into a more fringe party. It's not a. they not going away. It's becoming scarier, and that's always the problem with like mainstream media is like, I, and I don't know how this keeps happening. Like they keep wanting to believe their own bullshit. It started with Trump, right? It started, you know, with with him being a laughing stock of politics and him winning. And then, you know, it's Ted Cruz winning and and Lindsey Graham winning again. And they put all this money against candidates that are like, you know, veterans that are normal. And it doesn't matter. Like those Ted Cruz almost seems kind of regular compared to some of these whack jobs. You know, like Dan (laughs) Crenshaw from Texas, who I'm terrified of. I'm kind of like I miss Dan Crenshaw's, you know, like they were kind of
1: Ted Cruz actually did go to Princeton.
2: Right. Ted Cruz went to Princeton. Um (laughs) <laughs> I mean, George Bush went to Yale, so I don't know if yeah, that's a yeah. saying thing for you. But, um, but they actually went. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, yeah, I mean, the guy's a pathological liar, but half of... Uh, okay, everything about politics is fucking lies, right? So look at the whole war on terror. Like, everything is lies upon lies. Vietnam, lies. Everything is lies. So... Now we're just at a point where lies are just now completely accepted, and the media is so rigged. I mean, do you ever watch Fox News just to like see? Yeah, I, it, it is. I can, is I can last maybe.
1: Th- I can last maybe three minutes. I can, I can watch all
2: of minutes. Laura Ingram. Uh, can you all seriously? Yeah, because oh it's just like God. I sit there laughing. The one hour hate. Yeah, yeah, usually when I'm in a hotel room, I I put on Fox News, where I'm just like not in my house, <laughs> where I don't want that energy. <laughs> How but do like, you do that?
1: You have to. What is going through your head as you're sitting there watching Laura Ingram for an hour?
2: I picture the people that are listening. You know, one is I, I can, I look at it like just as someone that does content as like, what are they doing? And it's like so mm-hmm. obvious lies and like, mm-hmm. you know, sensationalizing bullshit and and it's scare tactics and like cults, like cultish topics that like pull you in or push you out. So I just kind of study it and then you do kind of watch it. It makes me feel better because I'm like. Young people aren't watching this shit, dude. No Gen Zers are watching Fox News. And then I picture like some of my old uncles or like people we grew up with that are like 50, 60, 70. I'm like, that's who's watching it. And like, yeah, they're just, they're already in their bubble. They're not leaving. They're wacky. But this guy actually should be kind of an alarm to all sides that like in today's day and age where you can kind of find anything you want about people, that were so focused on the wrong thing. It's like taking down the machine rather than just taking out little pieces. And this guy should have at some point in his in his run up, somebody should have just, like, mean, who, who's doing the research? I mean, I don't they, know. Where is the, look, first of all,
1: we've talked about how the Democrats kind of fell down on this uh, midterm election for New York state, right? Yeah. Like, like uh, Hochul barely won, you know? Um, and then they lost seats right in 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 blue New York. They lost seats to yes. Republicans. Um, so that's like obviously just a failure of the, the Democratic committee of the state. And the icing on the cake is that where is the oppo research on George Santos when his lies are so easily discoverable in New York? Right. Come like on. as simple as like, oh. He says he went to. He's got an MBA from NYU. Let's call him MBA from Baruch. <laughs> Let's just verify that. Nope. You know, Oh, uh, he went to Horace Mann. Nope. He says he's Jewish, and his parents or his grandparents fled the Holocaust and ended up in Brazil. His mom um, was in. His mom
2: was in nine eleven. Not right. True.
1: His mom. His mom was uh, suffered due to nine eleven. Was in one of the towers. She was actually in Brazil at the time yeah. of nine eleven. Uh, and then died 15 years later of cancer unrelated to you know the well established connections of people who are around yeah. the towers and yes. cancer right so you know the the um, the amount of lies is is just like they're so obvious and so um bold yeah that they are sort of easily ver- like any any rep- like also like that's a failure of the media Right? Like, what are the Big reporter time. the political, what are the political reporters doing? And actually, I'll tell you one thing, the one outfit that got it right, was a Republican um, owned and run uh, local newspaper in the Long Island, I, f- I forget this, the Long Island something, the Long Island View or something yeah, like yeah. that. And they're the ones who, who said, at, in the run up, this guy's a fraud. Wow. Like we checked it out. It's a fraud and nobody cared. Right, wow. because and this tells you some. This is why local news matters so much. They actually can like research the guy. They care about the guy. He's representing their local district. Hundred percent. You know they do all of those things, um, but nobody cared. Nobody, nobody cared. cared. Nobody wanted to listen. Right. Um, I I'm just. I think you're exactly right that this is a, a bellwether of scarier times to come. Herschel Walker. Because if you know, yeah, like Herschel Walker lied about everything. Right. Right. And and you know. Th- if they're able to um, basically bracket that and just say, if this guy votes our way, we don't care what they say to get elected, um, you know, one of the casualties um, is this notion of like objective truth mm-hmm. in our time, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, on the one hand, you can say that well, you know, there's like multiple forms of truth, and there's no sort of truth with a big T. Um, I can get behind that argument to a point, right? There's different perspectives on things and people experience things in different ways. That's absolutely true. Um, but if a person graduated from a school or not, that's like an, a simple truth, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that, if, if if that no longer matters, right. um, then I think, you know, that's like really scary <laughs> like I I, have, I actually find that to be terrifying because you can run on anything you can just run on just completely anything you know to the credit of the Nassau County um, Long Island um, press Republican Party yeah. they've they've called on him to resign they've called him a liar and they said you know he should resign today you know like that and and that's true also they're kind of covering their own butts because they're the guys who Presented him, right? Yeah. Um, but, but at least they're admitting that Kevin McCarthy, no. Um, and then he's got, and who is he found in Congress the first day he was isolated? And now who are his friends? Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gaetz. Of
0: course. Well, folks, another important speaker, uh, another congressional nominee, uh, George Santos. George, who we know is a friend. and he's known as Anthony DeVolda to me, so I don't know where George Santos came into the thing, but that's what it says here. He's the Republican candidate for the New York 3rd Congressional District, running against uh, Pelosi puppet Representative Tom Swazigh, who is facing some radical left-wing Democrats in a primary. George worked at Goldman Sachs and is currently at Leak Bridge Investor, where he quickly advanced to become one of the youngest vice presidents in the industry. That's very impressive, George, Anthony, whatever you are.
2: Look, the the Republican Party is becoming what they are. What I think they've been for a very long time. Um, You know, they've had legacy candidates for a while or legacy families that have kind of pushed it. The Cheneys, the Bushes. Um, Mitt Romney doesn't fit in the... Not Mitt Romney. uh, um, Yeah, Romney, he's a legacy family too. No, 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 I know, but I'm... uh, 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 What the hell's his name? The guy that ran against Obama for president. This is what happens when you're in your 40s and you have a six-month-old. Um. From 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 the Massachusetts, Rod ran against Obama. Yeah, President, second term. Who ran against Obama? Second term.
1: So it, first it was Mitch, McCain, no, and uh, then it was
2: uh, and then it was Mitt Romney. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. I'm I'm yeah. confused with Mitch McConnell. Yeah, Mitt. Romney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mitt, Mitt Romney, Romney yeah, yeah. doesn't fit in today's Republican Party. They hate him, right? And we thought yeah, oh, sure. he was crazy back then.
1: Yeah, so, he was trying to you know kill Sesame Street.
2: Yeah, when when the last. What you could call sane, although policy-wise we disagree with, mm-hmm. Republican was probably Ronald Reagan, maybe Bush won, you know, maybe Bush won. You could argue a sane politician that kind of fit, mm-hmm. whether it would have been a Democrat or Republican, you know, taxes or not taxes. Uh, um, Right after him, it's kind of taken a crazy turn. And that's even starting with Bill Clinton, I mean, where it became kind of like, almost like a like a mob, like a unapologetically in your face, uh, rules don't apply to us, um, new version of politics. You know, maybe the Mm -hmm. internet, something has to do with, I'm not sure, but every candidate since then, including Obama, who was the best of all of them, right? We're not, Mm -hmm. without a doubt. um, There's a lot of lies that go on, a lot of like really scary shit that like history will show that's, like, really not good. Um, and I, I just think both parties are kind of going in a really weird way right now. You know, half of the, the Democrats that won in the midterms are, like, not people that I necessarily identify with. There's definitely a push in both directions with the Democrat Party. Obviously, like, they seem to care about people a little more, it seems. But I don't know. I mean, it seems a little scary. You know what it feels like? Like when you watch these Russian politicians talk about the Ukraine and it's just like, you guys are just so fucking full of shit and like in the fucking, you know, like you'll get whacked. It feels like we're turning into that. Like politically, (laughs) like when they talk about the crises or, or the, you know, the crime or this or that, you're kind of just like, dude, you're, you're so full of shit right now and they're believing it and people are believing it. The good news is the Gen Zers are not Republican, right? Some of them maybe, but like they're really not liking politics I don't, right now.
1: I so I don't know about that. Like, and and I'm not gonna speak out of turn about, dude. Like, they're the becoming data, socialists. The, the, the data on it. Um, on the one hand, I get what you're saying about the Gen Zers mm-hmm. and that there is a sort of generational shift in in and certainly political possibilities, right? Like before. Um, socialism, democratic socialism you know got you shattered out of the room and now people are at least like airing it and there's been an inflation in the DSA and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely true. Um, But I think there's just like this very wide swath of the country um, off the coasts um, and even part of the coasts and just more rural areas and stuff like that um, where you have young people that are you know, they're super conservative. You know, they grow up in a very different way. Like they, you know, they, they, they're they they part of conservative uh, church congregations. Their, their life re- revolves around that. Um, there was this, you know, like to your point about how the Democrats um, are sort of laughing at what they see as a, the circular firing squad of the Republicans fighting each other, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that, you know, the, the Democrats are sort of laughing along. they are like, oh, just give it time because, you know, the demographic change is going to shift the politics of the country. Meanwhile, Latinos are trending towards the Republican Party now, right? And their whole argument was, well, Latinos will always vote with us, you of know? Course. You know, so I'm not, I'm, I'm a little bit more cautious about youth necessarily leaning towards, um, liberal progressive socialist causes um, because you know you know you've been around the whole country right it's a very diverse politically diverse place where you've got a lot of people uh bible belts rust belts and uh rural america that are that are pretty much voting one way um intergenerationally
2: sure right yeah but 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 if you look at even the last voting maps, it's all gerrymandering. I mean, if you take away gerrymandering, they're... Yeah, but that's... (laughs) Which you can't. I understand,
1: but... The the Supreme Court has allowed it.
2: (laughs) Oh, I understand. But I I don't think so. I mean, if you look at even like work trends, there's a lot of jobs right now and you can't fill them. Young people, they don't want to do what... We're kind of the last generation to like, we're going to get a job and just work until we're 60 and that's it. Like, you got to figure it out. And that's kind of changed after what I get. I guess I'm the last year of like Gen X. I'm like the 1980s. So that's like, I'm technically Gen X, but at the tail end of it. Um, And, you know, I jumped around a lot in my career. People five, 10 years older than me don't. And now Mm -hmm. you're seeing like, nobody wants to go to the office. Nobody wants these like year round nine to fivers where they're like not at home. Nobody wants to like get paid, you know, an entry level salary. That, to me, is like, oh, yeah, we're becoming socialist. Like, we don't know it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to call it that. And that's kind of what that is. Yeah, you want a life. You want to not be, like, 60 and be like, I just worked a shitty job like my father and my grandfather. And, like, you know, if for what? I got some rich people richer. And you're starting to see it. I- I'm starting to see it. Like, But it- I
1: would say that, you know, like... St- Depending on the institution or the, or the company, like Silicon Valley is accommodating that in various ways. Kind of. And those guys aren't socialists. They're libertarian capitalists. Right. And and so their view is that if I can accommodate uh, these workers, I don't have to like feed them like fancy meals in the cafeteria anymore. Yeah, and but they those can just workers, stay at home but those they'll are be not, and they'll be as productive. But those are not the Who workers cares? we're
2: talking about, right? That's more of a high level educated worker. You're not getting a job at Meta if you, you know, dropped out of high school and you're from Ohio and and you don't have skills like you're just not like like I'm talking like computer skills, coding, marketing, whatever they do. So those people are like they're going to be what they're going to be. But what we're talking about is like I live in New Orleans where there are no Silicon Valley jobs. This is a city that's like 90 percent hospitality. Mm -hmm. Dude, you can make 30 hours an hour as a waiter here right now. That's how much, that's how many jobs are open. That's like the demand for workers. Like, that's amazing. So, you know, people still don't want to do it. They're, the. I think what's happening is the mindset is changing because the wealth gap is getting crazy. AI is getting rid of jobs. Uh, you're starting to like, we all got that pandemic taste of like, oh my God, there is another way. Like, I couldn't imagine going into an office every day, Monday to Friday again. No shot, zero. I'd rather yeah. bar 10 three days a week. Honestly, I'm not kidding. And you can't go back from that, you know? And you're seeing a lot of people that are trying to, like, now you got to come in for four days, and you're seeing a rebellion. That to me is going to breed not conservative behavior, it's going to breed liberal behavior. Conservatives are the guys that are like, you need to do what my granddaddy did, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, none of that works for them. They, they call they call us lazy. They call us this. They don't want blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no dude, like if you're 25 right now, like your whole entire life, we've been at war literally. Yeah, sure. Like that's insanity. So I don't know. I I actually think, I don't know why, how we got on this. It's just me not being linear, but like the, the idea that like this guy represents where we think the Republican party is going. I'm not ready to say that's going to be successful. I think they're going that way. I think it's, I think that fucking train is gone, right? Like reeling it in, trying to push out Trump. I'm I'm not saying Trump's going to run and win. I think he's going to run and lose. And I've been saying that, especially Mm -hmm. if it's against Biden. I think Biden whoops his ass. Um, but Trump's not going anywhere politically. And they'll try to do the narrative. He lost, blah, blah, blah. But Trump is still Trump. He, this is his new uh, uh, monopoly game is just puppeteering politicians. And he's going to do it till he dies, like the Koch brothers or whoever. This is a new thing. So that train is gone. The Republican Party is headed towards nut, Nutville. Um, the Democrats have an opportunity to reel it in. I actually think a mix of centrist and democratic socialists will work, but they need to stop being spectators on the, on the disaster train. And because they've been spectators is exactly how this guy got through. They're not doing the hard work. They think that the Republicans are going to crash and burn and they're going to reap the benefits. And I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. So I just want to like, maybe we can end on one of the
1: points you brought up earlier about the nineties, but I think you're exactly right. Um, So you mentioned like somewhere around the Clinton era that stuff just started to, there's a turn, right? That there's a turn in the aggressiveness. There's like a politics in a new key and it's like a sharper key, right? It's it's much more angry. Um, And there's a new book out by a historian um, who I actually like crossed over in graduate school with named Nicole Hammer called Partisans. And it's about the 90s as like kind of the incubation period for um, the politics that we have now.
2: Oh, let's read it and And get it wrong.
1: And yeah, and the key figure um, there that she highlights is Newt Gingrich. Mm. And Newt Gingrich, when he comes to power as Speaker of the House, his number one thing that he tells um, his caucus is always attack that there is never a moment that you defend yourself, you, you know, you do what you want and you're always on the offense and that's it, right? That there's mm-hmm. there's no such thing as defense and deflection and stuff like that. No, even, even if you've done something wrong, you should be attacking the other guy anyway. It doesn't matter because the attack is the thing. Wow. Um, and you know, gee, you know, aren't we seeing that <laughs> like, like, like that, that has really, it's gotten a lot of traction, right. Um, and it works. It, it, you know, we know this about attack ads. And if you if you're just sort of like that, uh, generally, and then you sort of uh, do nothing Congress anyway, people feel like you're doing something, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, here's what we're going to get with um, somebody like Santos, is that he's surrounded by attack dogs who will protect him? Um, he'll fall in line because if anything, when it gets down to voting, the Republicans are disciplined. They may have you know theatrics on the camera yeah. and stuff like that, but when it comes down to voting, they all they all vote together. Um, and um, it's mix that with the like tapestry of lies. Um, that surrounds this guy, and that is just a toxic mix for yep. like the coming politics, right? So that's why I'm kind of obsessed with this guy. So um, thank you for and, and he's not going to step down. <laughs> he's not. Oh going no, anywhere. no, 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 yeah. no, no. He said he isn't. You know, he says he's he should be afforded due process. So if they actually want to remove him, which they never do, um, even even just to censure somebody in the Congress is like takes forever and is a big deal. To actually remove somebody is like not done. Um, so he says yeah go through the process by that time it'll be two years and it'll be up for re-election again you know so um, it's you know he's, he's got to wait out the clock um
2: you want to do party favors yeah
1: yeah let's do party qu- favors real quick. It is a
2: Okay, you go?
1: Yeah, I'll go. Um, I'm gonna say, for I'll start with the Democrats, and very quickly, um, I do think that if uh, Joe Biden is seriously going to run, um, he needs to sort of come out now, um, and he needs to come out swinging. Um, that he needs to point to all of the accomplishments of um, managing COVID, I won't say defeating COVID, but managing it much better than the previous administration. Um, and he can point to some wins, you know, you should highlight the wins, not the losses on the union front, you know, the, the actual use of the National Labor Relations Board, things like that, um, that has been uh, an important but defunct institution for like 20 years. Um, you know, those sorts of things, he needs just to like sort of make the case for, not just point at the Republicans and say, do you want that, right? Because guess what, a lot of people do. Um, and they they just need to make a sort of a positive case that you're voting for something, not just against something.
2: Wonderful, that's a great one. Um, I would say, um, kind of echo what you're you're saying. I think you're correct. He should come out right away. Um, I'm going to reiterate what I've said. It's it's time for a new vice president. I feel very strongly about that. Um, I think that's going to be a big deterrent for a lot of independent voters if Joe Biden's like 90 and if something happens to him, Harris becomes president. I think they are making a huge mistake, not just behind doors asking her to just step down. So he does the fire. Just give her a fancy title, have her, you know, secretary of whatever, and get yourself a good uh, swing state uh Gretchen Whitmer uh to, to run with you or somewhat similar. Um the other thing I would say is he needs to start really educating people on the Ukraine war. That should be the top of his ticket. Uh I just read the other day, you know, the the the, the crazies on the Republican Party are furious that we're helping the Ukraine. And forget about how we feel as humanists and people that like, just hate war. And like, we know there's always ulterior motives, just talking political strategy. We've, we're only using about 6% of the whole entire defense budget to help Ukraine, a democratically elected place, defeat what we thought was the second or third superpower in the world that has turned out to like be getting their asses whooped. Um, that's nothing. Like in the grand scheme of anything, it's a brilliant move. We're fighting Russia, which we've always been afraid about for 70, you know, 50 years since like the Cold War. And we haven't lost a troop. There's no boots on the ground. And like Russia's fucked. They're completely fucking fucked. And I would come out and start really championing that and educating people so that they get more. Uh, patriotic around a free society beating Russia, like the whole Russia, like, like sympathetic Russian stuff. I don't know how that's happening. And I would get ahead of that right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, you could, that would definitely tap into a centrist vote, you know, hundred percent. And it c- depends. Centrists are usually older people. Yeah. Um, who, Don't like the whiff of anything Russian usually, and and not for good reasons often. But because of Rocky Ford. very good, very yeah, exactly, yeah, Rocky
2: (laughs) IV. Just I would just if I was president by now, play Rocky IV.
1: You know, I mean, he he's can you get a better evil guy than Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, I'm sorry, like Um,
2: I know there's really good Russians, but like on paper. We're, we're, we don't like each other, like, and we need to get back to that policy right now.
1: And particularly at this moment, yeah, this moment it's a crazy is it's a quite, it's,
2: it's a pretty, there's
1: some moral clarity here, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. okay. Um, and so, so for the Republicans, um, I would say that they need to um, decide how much are they backing Trump or not, right? Like that needs to happen. Um, and that needs to happen soon. Um, because the waffling around that is gonna come back to bite them in the end. Um, so, yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it at that, that they, they you know, are they the, still the party of Trump and they're out and proud about it? Um, or is it just a faction? Um, and, that's, and I think if it's just a faction, um, that might end up being a problem because they're gonna have an unnecessary battle when they could have a sort of unified front on this. Um,
2: I I agree with that, but I will say it's very much like when he first ran for president they're going to sit back and wait and once he takes control they'll they'll all get in line, but I agree with you it would be more effective if they all just said Trump's our guy, you know you stole the election, we're back we're taking the House, but whatever Uh, I would say they'll never listen to me because the media is so obsessed but I am so over Hunter Biden (laughs) I am so over this being your thing I don't care, he's a Literally a crackhead who is like the uh uh weirdo brother in the wedding crashers. Like nobody thinks Hunter Biden is like this slick, uh, you know, smooth dude that's like scamming the system and is aware of all this stuff. Everybody knows he is uh Joe Biden's drug addict son. And two things. One is if I'm the if I'm Joe Biden, I remember when he was in a uh, debate against Trump and he just came out and said, "I have a son who has a drug problem. He's a drug addict And when you come out and get ahead of something and you kind of tap into the opioid crisis, the uh, statistics around the uh, um, amount of Americans that are depressed, suicidal and you and if Joe Biden were just to come out and really get ahead of like my son is sick like a lot of Americans. He's hooked on this A, B, and C uh, and make it more like maybe some people sympathize like damn this guy is a drug addict like that's what you're concentrating your shit on right now is Hunter Biden. It's obsessive. It's weird. I think it's creepy. Um, where if I'm the Republicans, I am leaning into the false narrative that um, uh, George Soros and and Democrats uh, want a lawless nation where uh, cops are hated and criminals are destroying everything because that works for a lot of swing voters. And I don't know why we're not just concentrating on that. And it's about Hunter Biden and, and comparing him to Trump. And it's just... I cannot name you a person. I talk a lot of politics with everybody, whether they're right left, nobody gives a shit about Hunter Biden, dude. Nobody. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's my um, dude, that's my rant.
1: Hunter Biden is their new Benghazi, right? Yeah, it's, you know, uh, like that's that's, he's a crackhead. That, that's something that 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 they're getting obsessed with and a, and a few of them think, "Oh, we can really get them on this," but they it's so overdone that Really, it there's like an overexposure of it, you know, for for their own political purposes that, that you, you've you've beaten the thing to death,
2: right? Yeah, it's too much.
1: Uh, exactly right about how Biden, and I think Biden has done that um, in certain ways, like when he responds and he says, like, "This is my son, I love him," right? you know, unapologetically, and and yeah, he's got problems, you know. Um, that's like a very human thing to say, right? That's a very th- relatable thing to say. Um, the I forgot to mention one thing that the Republicans are already doing. Uh, of course, they're going to do this, and it's they should do it. Uh, is the whole documents thing, right? I know. Uh, the, the, no, know that's it, what they should do. Like, I mean this this is a political gift if there ever was gift. one. You know, not only to get Trump out of trouble, but also to beat beat on do- Biden. I mean, this, it's just, it's like, you know, this is a huge unforced error. Be all over, um, it. you know, and it's just like, okay, all right.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. fair game. They're go doing it. it. They're doing it. Yeah. 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 All right.
1: All right, man. Um, yeah, so next week. Next week.
2: No politics at the dinner table is produced by Hanukkah tunes by G. Baderoy and our theme song by Alex Tepper. Um, go on our website, lots of cool stuff on there, and uh, we'll be back next week.